0: You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Good morning, church. Love it. Love the energy. Um, this, uh, this reading comes from Luke chapter four, fourteen. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, love. Good morning, church. It's not every time you preach that you get your wife to read a teaching text. Off to a great start. I love it. Um, Whew so good to see your faces, and that we can gather in a space like this. Man, it's been a minute. Um, as you know, we're in this teaching series called Covered Ground. Um, and we're basically doing just that. We're going through the ground that we've covered as a church with God throughout the past, what, six, seven years? Who's been counting? I don't know. Um, but basically, we're just looking back and seeing like what are the ways that we've grown and matured as followers of Jesus in the heart of the city? Uh, what areas can we say that would definitely shaped us as a church? And man, what amazing things God has done that led us through this point in time through the past years. And I love this because truly it's such a healthy thing to do because personally and communally, we, sh- we should always do that. We should always take some time to remember and ponder and just look back. No wonder that remember is actually one of the words, like probably one of the most translated words in the Bible, there's always like a remember or remember this and remember those things. Because we are a part of this bigger story, right? So we need to take time, take stock and remember. Uh, Remember the moments that God was faithful, the moments that were more tangible, the moments that we definitely could feel his provisions, his care, his mercy and all those things. So we take time to look at the ground we've covered because it helps us to keep looking at Jesus. But also remember it's important because that's the story we're joining with God, you know. And as we've just gone through in our past teaching series, we live in a port city, right? It's a city that is very transient. People come in and out all the time, and people come and go, adding bits and pieces to our story. Um, And it's important to do so because for new folks and for old folks, We don't want to take for granted the things that God has done and continues to do through us. And we also don't want to take for granted the journey that still lies ahead, right? Are you with me? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, So some of the areas that we've covered so far in the beginning was, you know, with Jemma, priesthood of all believers, she opened us up uh, and talked about how we've grown also as a church to be fully egalitarian. Can I get an amen? Amen. Another era was generosity where we covered with Patrick and Kaiser and Alice too, which was amazing, such a, such a sweet time. Uh, last weekend I wasn't here, but I heard that Lindsay brought the house down, preaching about worship and the prophetic, it's like, come on. Uh, and how we've we grown to be a people who are hungry for his presence, and man, that's so good, it's so good. Um, can I just say so? We have amazing teachers in this community. I think there's another area that we shouldn't have added. But anyways, you make your own list. You do your thing. Uh, but today, I have the honor to cover justice and mercy, uh, which is one of the pillars of our church, which is merciful presence, uh, which is the way that we respond to injustice with mercy and compassion, and the ways that we've grown into that too throughout the years. And can I just say though, man, I think I got, I got the hardest one. Just want to say that. Because honestly, for real, like, it's not that I didn't have much to say. I have all too much to say. And I'm like, how can I fit this in like 30 minutes? We've been on a ride with God, man. It's been amazing. So I just want to kind of take a, a moment as a sweet disclaimer. Uh, one, I'm so proud of how far we've gone with God. Can I just say that? Thank you. It's been an am- amazing journey. And there's more. But also, just to say, there's definitely things that I forgot to add here. So please, I'm sorry. Um but that's the part that you jump in, because we need to remind each other of things. So gotcha. Uh, please help each other to remember the things that happened and remember how faithful God has been. Amen? Okay. So let's start with this. Um, I'm gonna walk us through using an analogy of breathing. And breathing is something that we do all too often, right? All the time. And it's such a vital thing. But we also forget that we're doing it sometimes. Uh, because if you're breathing, you're alive. So I'm just gonna start with this. Can you all just stand for a second? And we're gonna take a good deep breath together. Alright? you good? Can I like relax your shoulders, you're good. Yes. Beautiful. Alright, we're gonna just take a good deep breath together, right? One, two, three. And exhale. One more time. And exhale. This is good. Can you feel your feet? You grounded? Good. We're gonna do a lot of this. You can be seated. I'm not not gonna start exercising it's fun. But I do this because we're gonna connect that with our church, like when churches breathe in and out, we're truly alive. We're also called the body of Christ, right? And we breathe. And what does it mean for our church to breathe? So we're gonna cover exploring merciful presence in two questions, which is, where have we been? And where are we going? Yes. Uh, So first, where have we been? The greedy analogy, by the way, I'm borrowing from Brian Heasley, which is an international prayer director for 24/7 prayer. And a few weeks, a few weeks, Josh, uh, what is COVID time? Uh, A few years ago, uh, he he was speaking at a prayer conference in in New York, and he was talking about how mission and how missional living is infused. And it starts with, it's birth out of prayer. Uh, and just a, a quick parenthesis here. I have a parenthesis slide. Yes. So a quick parenthesis. What do I mean about missional living? Just in case all those words are just like bubbling out. Missional living, in short, is like living just like Jesus lived. Like usually related to like advancing the kingdom of God. Like what is that? Like making God's rule and reign known everywhere. in all the places and spheres that you are inserted in already. It's like a way that perpetuates God's mission. And what is God's mission? It's to redeem the world, amending the broken relationships, the broken relationship of between us and God, between ourselves, between us and the rest of the creation. Uh, and that's kind of like what we're talking about in all that package. It's like, to us, the family of God, the people of God, the body of Christ was given the ministry of reconciliation, right? That's where it all gets entangled, so I'm getting ahead of myself, just close parenthesis. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Uh, back to the story of Brian. Sorry, I get, I get in many tangents here, but you follow through. Back to the story of Brian. So at that conference, he shared uh, about how prayer really births uh, missional living. Uh, And the story was that they started a 24-7 prayer room in Ibiza, Spain. Uh, For some of you who don't know, Ibiza is like hardcore party city. It's all you need to know. Uh, And I think it had been like about a month or so that they had started the prayer room put setting up some teams and whatnot. So they had like uh, rotation from people praying in the room, some people walking at night. Uh, And usually this stuff takes place like in the middle of the night because Ibiza doesn't start working until 12 or maybe 2 p.m. Anyway, so they're in the middle of the night in the prayer room. There are some teams outside just praying in the streets, walking around, and some people in the room praying. And he says like, it's kind of like that 3 a.m. thing. We're like kind of half praying, kind of half asleep. Like, okay, God, we can just close this meeting. It's fine. Uh, Can we just say amen? It'll be fine. And then as they're like kind of half asleep, there's a knock at the door. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. So they open the door, and he says, uh, it was Jesus. I mean, it was a person, but it was, it was the voice of God. He's like, person said like, excuse me, I just didn't mean to interrupt your meeting, but there's someone outside that might need your help. And the someone outside, he pointed to a guy who was drunk, beyond drunk, covered in his own vomit and laying outside the door. Uh, So he goes on and takes the guys, like it's amazing, amazing story, I don't want to spoil it, but the point of it to me was that, is that knock at the door and saying like, excuse me, I think there's someone outside that might need your help. I'm sorry to interrupt your meeting, but there's someone outside that might need your help. And I say that because I think, it's my belief that that's the kind of invitation that we as a church said yes to a few years back. And that's the kind of invitation that God is so sweet that he continues to invite us, continue to knock at the door and say like, sorry to interrupt your meeting, but I think there's someone outside that might need your help. And that's the kind of journey we've been through. So I have a little slide, that we, I'm gonna come back to it, uh, just to kind of like a little diagram to help us uh, go through this together. But basically, this is what happens. We seek God, and I'm gonna go through my little designs, okay, I'm not the best one, but like, I just had some ideas. Uh, so we seek God, which is crown, kingdom, he's the king. So we see God, and that lets us to know God and know ourselves better. So grow in compassion, grow at heart for mercy and love, and that leads us to recognize God out in the world. Hey, I have New York represented it, and I have Brazil represented it, because I had to find a word that had the two countries that I've lived in. Anyways, and then that leads us into participating with God in his mission. I put building bridges, because that's what we do, right? We reconnect things. Uh, and that should lead us again to seeking God even more. So, basically, this is also the same thing as breathing in and breathing out. Mary Brown, can you go to the next slide? Oh, wait. One before? Yes. So, you see how it's divided. So, basically, we seek God, we pray, we repent, we acknowledge our own need for Him and our powerlessness to transform the world around us. And then we are transformed and renewed, and we grow, uh, and we're open. and and shaken, Uh, we're open to be sharpened, fashioned, broken, and redone by God, and we learn more about ourselves, we learn more about the unique ways that each one of us is wired, Uh, and we learn more about God and about how he poured out his love through all creation. And in that same way that we are transformed and renewed, we are sent out, right? We breathe out, so in his very spirit, we breathe it out in every corner and every place that we are We find ourselves in. Uh, This is, again, back to mission. This is recognizing and participating with God in his mission. Uh, And as you'd imagine, again, that will lead us back into seeking God. Uh, But this time, even harder or even deeper uh, with such more commitment and fervor because we got more skin in the game. Literally because we've lived some things with God and we've seen the power of his love his grace, His compassion in us, through us, and outwardly into the world. So that's, that's that breathing in and out cycle. So just take a deep breath. So let me just share with you some ways that I personally have witnessed us as a church taking deep breaths in in the past seven years. You ready? It's like a list, but again, my disclaimer at the beginning. Guys, there's definitely some things that didn't make this list, so my apologies, but I dare you to make your own list. But Here's the, some ways that I believe we've breathed in deeply in the last seven years. We sought after God with everything with God. I mean, I remember there was like in 2016, I think, we spent, man, a solid year talking about repentance. That was rough, y'all. That was not like a sexy preaching year. That was like <laughs> repenting for a year pretty much. But that was such an important step to empty ourselves out to God and allow Him to breathe in, right? We did not let the world define us, but to be defined by God, meaning we were resolving our identity issues, right? We sought after prayer, and we became defined by it. We are a church defined by prayer, letting it guide us and mold us. We pursue the presence of God in worship and the prophetic we talked about last Sunday, uh, again, longing to be people marked by the Spirit of God, by His presence, by His character, by His nature. Uh, the rugs, man, the rugs were part of that. The rugs were like nothing really special about them, but truly, it was, it was just that simple step that allows us to posture ourselves before God in a way that I, you know, we can become undone. Uh, to practice that. The February prayer room was another one of those. Uh, we confess to one another. That was a huge one for me. I remember how powerful that was. It's honestly one of my favorite memories of our church that being right here in the front with our elders and pastors in, people just coming up and confessing. Because confessing is a practice that we need to do and on, and on. And be able to say back, just like Jesus said to the woman who was about to be stoned. It's like, where are they? Nobody else condemns you. So why would I? Just go and sin no more. Man, that is like, it's. uh, that was fear met with love. That was shame met with grace. That was brokenness made whole. And there are so many other moments like that within your community groups that I don't know of, various relationships and conversations that I don't know of, outside this place and inside this place. And again, I'm just going over some things. But. Here's the most important thing about all these things that I just uh, uh, mentioned of us breathing in. You'd be like, how does this relate to merciful presence? These rhythms, these things that we've gone through, they are not a one and done thing. They are not like, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. We confess, we're good. These are practices that we're always, do you hear me, church? We always need to be coming back to it because that's the only way we can sustain any justice and mercy and compassion work anywhere. And that's why I bring this up, because they're so important. And that's why we shall never miss them. If we we miss them, we're out of breath. If we miss them, we're running thin. We're in our own strain. And you know what happens when you stop breathing, right? So in the same way that we took really good deep breaths in, things started to happen outwardly. We're taking some deep breaths out, exhaling. Because again, it's just how God works. He didn't design things to be just like, fill, 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 fill up, like no, it doesn't work like that. So I'm just gonna share with you a few list of things that I believe this is us breathing out as we learn to breathe in this cycle. Again, not a long extended list, sorry if I forgot anything, but I bet you remember so many more things than I do. Uh, again, a few things that happen when we started to breathe out. We did homeless outreach with homeless kits made by people from our church. We carried them around every time. Stoop sale benefiting our unhoused neighbors. We had Brooklyn feasts uh, where we had no other agenda but to come into this building kind of potluck style and just share a meal with our neighbors, inviting everybody in. We had community renewal projects which basically we asked our church like, hey, what dreams that you've been having with God in behalf of our neighborhood and how can we like pool resources together and make that happen? And guess what, out of community renewal projects, started Single Moms of Brooklyn, uh, which is, shout out to Jasmine and Erica and many others who participate in that, it's basically a support group for single moms and we get to come out as a family and blast not only the moms, but with their kids, like spend good time with them and and be able to mentor them and care for them and grow as a family. It's like, it's, it's one of my favorite things. Out of community renewal projects, also Foster Parents Night Off started, which is kind of a similar thing With foster parents, we just hang with the kids for like three hours while we give the foster parents a break. And within that, families in our church decided to go through foster parenting training, which is also amazing. So we got new foster parents in our church in the past years. Uh, Again, becoming such a huge value and a thing in our church. Uh, By the way, if you're ever interested in that, in the fall, we'll bring some more stuff. But in the fall, we are going to start training again for foster parenting. And it's not just for whoever is parents already or non-parents or single moms or single parents. It's for whoever wants to honestly uh, foster, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I encourage you. I'll remind you. Don't worry. Uh, out of community renewal projects. Also, we had free yoga for the community in this room, which was amazing. Uh, in this room, we have screen films and documentaries. We like panel discussions at the end, revolving around like, you know, Prominent issues like immigration, gentrification, fair housing, public policies, education, and you name it. Uh, we've collected food from the farmer's market uh, and distributed to different food pantries and other organizations that were giving out food. We started a food pantry last year in the beginning of the pandemic with another church. That was the craziest thing I've ever. Done. Uh, we also dove deep into the hard work of racial reconciliation. You know, we did not shy away from hard conversations when all things continued to happen around us. And spaces like heaven to earth uh, where we basically connected the dots of worship and racial reconciliation and advancing the kingdom of God, like how those things fit in our very lives. So these are spaces in between our church. Uh, we joined with Airborne too to continue that conversation about reconciliation. We've preached hardcore on this too. Do you remember when we spent like a good chunk of our year in Isaiah 58? Gosh, man, if you ask anybody else, like, what did you guys preaching? Isaiah 58. Ooh, boy. That's, yeah, because it's, it's just so beautiful and so deep because it's formative. It has to be there. Uh, we also hire with diversity on mind. Hello. Uh, we have, we, we've had a justice and mercy, deacons team, whose spearhead most of the stuff that I'm talking about right now in the earlier stages of our church. Shout out to them, amazing people, whose hearts for the margins uh, helped shape who our church are today and who we will continue to be moving forward. We hired a pastor of Justin Mercy. Gosh, who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> we got to go to Rikers Island with some of another organization called Send Musicians to Prison. We did nothing but set up a whole like hour and a half concert for the man in there. It was amazing. It was amazing. We got a bunch of songwriters in our church and we did that. And we just laughed, feeling so much more. Like, we received so much more than whatever we had to give. It was incredible. Uh, We have allowed our lives and our gatherings to be more interruptible for the sake of loving those who are around us well. I've had homeless friends in the beginning, like, two, no, not two, like, five, six years ago. But I invited to this church. And I remember they coming and then later chatting with them, I was like, hey. It's good, but I don't think I can come back. I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't feel like he was, you know, and I get it, and it was just a reality, but the reality today is that I don't only know, I don't only really believe that the stories would be different now. I just know it is because I've seen it differently already, uh, how church has welcomed people who are very different from what we mostly see in the room, and just, it's been amazing. It's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. And there's so many more stories of generosity that continue to happen. Again, we made space for God. We made space in this building even to be available for for different things in the community. We have um, 12-step meetings here, we have preschool here, we have even dance classes here. Uh, Again, those are all things that we look around at God, these are resources that you've blessed us with. How can we continue to bless others the way you call us to? And you remember in the diagram that is the part of like recognizing what God is doing in the world. Well, we got to also partner with several other places, uh, citywide, nationwide, and worldwide. And just to name drop,
0: yeah,
1: name drop a few. Like we have St. John the Evangelist, which is the Lutheran church that we started the food pantry with. Uh, Los Sures, which is long time in this neighborhood. North Brooklyn Angels, St. Nick's Alliance, City Harvest. Uh, Churches United for Fair Housing, the Bower Mission, uh, Redeemer City to City, 24-7 Prayer, World Vision, blah. This is us recognizing what God's doing like, and getting behind it. And the list goes on, again, it continues. And there are many things, again, that I don't know. And the reality is like, I don't really need to know. Things that happen in your lives, in your community groups, in your spheres of influence, and I love that. I love that because, again, this is us living what Jesus called us to live to. This is us seeking missional living, justice, mercy, and compassion. This is it being infused in who we are as a church, in our very DNA. This is changing the face of the world around us from the inside out, amen? Are you tracking with me? Are you still breathing? Good, even through masks, guys, it's important. when I look at you, I do see a church that is alive and it's breathing, and we've been breathing, it's beautiful, or well, learning to breathe better, I don't know. But I would love to suggest that I think we're just maybe breathing a little harder now. Um, and you know why we breathe harder when we exercise, like harder meaning more frequently? It's because it's, it's helping everything else in our body to work better for the intensity of the work ahead so our heart pumps more blood to different parts of our body carry out more oxygen because we're breathing more frequently right and it's equipping the body for the work at hand again it's adapting it's responding it's healthy so maybe I just want to suggest that maybe we're just breathing a little harder now and God is the one setting the pace. And it's not that we're breathing harder because we're stressed or because we're panicking, but because we're adapting. There's new rhythms and we're exercising. I know I didn't want to exercise, but we did. We started. We're exercising. We're exercising our spiritual gifts. We're exercising our first vocation as worshipers. And we're being sent out in response, being filled by the very breath of God. Again, breathing in and breathing out is this rhythm of receiving and being sent out to give, this rhythm of gathering and going, of call to worship and benediction, um, is this rhythm that we're learning to do together. And again, God is the one setting the pace for the intensity of the work ahead, right? So what's ahead? Where are we going? Uh, for whatever minutes I have left, I would love to just very quickly share with you one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And you might be like, Carlos, if you don't say Jesus, I don't trust you as a pastor. No, okay. Uh, it's Barnabas. Um, I wanted to introduce you to Barnabas in whatever minutes we have left. Um, and specifically, Barnabas in this part of the story in Acts, uh, Acts 11. i are going to just dive deep into a little Bible study here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you please open to Acts chapter 11? Nobody has their Bibles anymore. I'm kidding. You have it on your phones. You can open. It's fine. Uh, so Acts chapter 11, verse 19 on. So, just a little bit of context here, because if we don't have the context, we'll miss the beauty and the power of this. There's so much packed here, so good. So, at this point, the church is a little scattered. Uh, not just in Jerusalem anymore. Uh, this is after Jesus had resurrected and ascended. He sent his disciples to Jerusalem, wait until there, send the Holy Spirit. This is after Pentecost. Uh, So they've been in Jerusalem for a little bit now. Things are amazing in Jerusalem happening everywhere. People are getting healed. Like people are more and more coming to faith, mainly the Jews, uh, understanding the Messiah and all that. So they're scattered now because of Stephen, who was that first martyr of the church, who was stoned and all that. So most of the Christians, which were not called Christians yet, most of those Jewish followers of Jesus around that time in Jerusalem got scared. Rightly so. Like, man, they're persecuting us. They're stoning us. Stephen was martyred. Uh, we, we just flee other places. So there was this terrific persecution. Most of them fled to Judea and Samaria. Uh, Saul, remember Saul, familiar, familiar name, uh, was persecuting Jew, uh, Jews like crazy. Uh, so some of them went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, which is like east coast of Mediterranean, North Africa, Syria. So then picking up on verse 20, says that some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, which is important, went to Antioch, which is around Syria, and began to also share the word with the Greeks, uh, talking to them about Jesus and sharing the good news of the gospel. So let's just pause here for a quick second. What just happened, it wasn't really happening. Uh, meaning, if you go to other places, you would first find whoever was your fellow Jew and share the good news of the Messiah with them. So this is what was happening in Jerusalem, but these people were kind of like scattered out now, like wow, well, I went back here. But they started to share the news with the Greeks as well. Uh, like this wasn't really common procedure. Like wait, you're not you're outside of this like Jewish circle, but now I'm just gonna share the news with you too. This is an amazing thing that kind of brought me here out of this persecution, but guess what? Let me share the story. Uh, so what happened is that they kind of went out of whatever was the default, uh, and when we see in verse 21, it said, the Lord's hand was with them, which aka basically means God was pleased with what was going on there. And the great, a great number of people believed and turned to God, um, which was incredible. So then, this is the part that gets interesting. News of these reached out to church in Jerusalem, back where the church was, mainly, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the word uh, with all their hearts. So at this point in the book of Acts, if you're following like, these things are happening all the time, like God was adding to their numbers, miracles were happening everywhere, people are turning to God, it's just amazing things. But then you keep reading, it's like, oh wait, but this might be just one of those. Yeah, fair, but Here's the questions that rise up. Like, why then the apostle had to send someone to Antioch to check what was happening there? Uh, Again, because it wasn't the common thing. Like, these were not Jews that were coming to Jesus. These were like people from outside of that cultural sphere. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we didn't, we've never done that before. What's, what's going on? So, rise the question. Like, okay, they sent Barnabas as like an official inspector kind of thing. Uh, And why would they send Barnabas? Uh, In verse 24, it because he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Uh, and again, this was no ordinary moment. Anybody else could have gone, and maybe not full of the Holy Spirit and faith, they would not have been able to recognize this very strange pattern that was happening, like this out of the ordinary occurrence. They wouldn't recognize that that was actually God's doing, right? Again, in the same pattern of breathing in and breathing out, we can see talking through this now, and the life of Barnabas too. Because we, we meet Barnabas first in Acts 4. Uh, we actually find out that Barnabas was his nickname, by the way. His actual name was Joseph. Uh, and he was a prominent member of the early church. Uh, and the apostles uh, was around them all the time. Um, they saw fit to call him Barnabas. So his name was Joseph, but they saw fit to call him Barnabas. Which means son of encouragement, or son of comfort, or son of exhortation. It's like... Bro, that's a cool nickname. Um, so we learned he was also from the tribe of Levi. So he was a Jew. He was born in Cyprus. so He was a Greek. Uh, and then he sold a plot of land and gave the money to the apostles and church to you. So he was a Jew. He was a Greek. And he was very generous. Uh, again, but the point being is that if you follow the life of Barnabas a little bit, you see that he was actually laying all down. He surrendered all for the sake of the God who has surrendered everything out of love. So Barnabas was breathing in. Come on, I mean Joseph, Barnabas, it doesn't matter. Uh, so you see that it was no ordinary person that they also sent to Antioch to check some weird things that were happening there that we just got word of, like Barnabas, you go bro. You're a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. You'll be able to check and identify what is actually going on there in this massive place. But Evangelism 101, or Mission 101, he was also Greek, so he spoke the language of the place. That's smart. Uh, But it gets better than that because not only Barnabas was equipped, meaning filled with the Holy Spirit and faith, to see the new grounds that God was covering in other far off places, not only with the Jews but outside the Jewish sphere, he was also equipped to see the new grounds that God was covering inside the disciples' hearts. He was keen to recognize God because he knew God. He would quickly call it out. See, check this out, when Saul was converted, you know, Saul that became Paul after that very dramatic story of like falling by on a horse, getting blind, and oh my God, like I was persecuting everybody, now I actually love Jesus, and I'm I'm with you. When Saul was converted, he wanted to go to Jerusalem to, you know, chat with the other apostles, like Peter, uh, John, James, because they were the people who were with Jesus when Jesus was around. And Paul was like, I gotta go meet them. and like, just you know, exchange cards and exchange numbers and I'll follow you on Instagram. Uh, Paul wanted to go to Jerusalem and the disciples were really fearful. John, Peter was like, no, bro. like, I'm, I'm scared of this dude. I'm, I'm truly hesitant of Paul. So you could even say that they were having trouble recognizing what God was doing. So guess who took Paul by the hand and brought him to the disciples and kind of made the, you know, mediating work of the reconciler in between these two groups who were literally on the same side. That son of encouragement, Barnabas. (laughs) Uh, And this is is the point. If you read on chapter 11, verse 25, you read like this. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus after Antioch uh, and looked for Saul, which was Paul, "uh, and found him and brought him back to Antioch. And for that whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church there and taught and great numbers of people, uh, came to faith. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is beautiful. Because before that, the word Christians, or like followers of Christ, was not a thing. There were mainly Jews who knew a Messiah. Messiah had come. But out of that cultural context, it expanded. Because it was not just for them. It was for the whole world. So if we miss what God was doing the little things, like, wait, wait, but we don't talk to those other people because we're just going after this Jewish group, you miss the whole story of God. And that's the whole like, you know, ripple effect of events of then, I oh mean, I don't know. I get I get I get really excited in this. I don't have words, but this is one of my favorite stories of the Bible. Um, I I dare you <laughs> to spend some time with it. It's so it's so good. And it's just like five verses. And you unpack and it's like, God, you're amazing. You're doing things far beyond what we can think or comprehend. I got I to gotta, I gotta, lean close to you. So I just wanted to wrap up and go back to the diagram again. And just create some moment to ask you guys a few questions. that I would highly suggest you to write it down if you want to. But I would just love to save these questions. Let them percolate in your mind or in your heart Uh, bring them to God in prayer in your time with him Uh, yeah Uh, can the band call come come back up Um, we'll just create some moments to to think about the things God is doing in our community but also in our very lives in our personal day to day lives Um, I'd love to invite you to close your eyes too, if you feel comfortable with it just again, take a deep breath in in what ways have you been able to recognize God's activity in your day to day things in what ways have you been able to recognize God's activity in the world around you? Maybe in the conversations with your family, with your neighbors or your co workers. Maybe just that random interaction that happened the other day, you kind of made no sense of it, but in what ways are you recognizing what God is doing? In what ways have you participated in it? And whatever comes to mind, you can just name it before God and thank him for that. You ask that he would continue to speak and invite you in for more. But also recognize that as we talk through these things, maybe some of you might be like, I feel a little stuck on this. I don't know if I really hear God's voice. And, you know, and, and, and if I do, like I understand that my heart burns with compassion over some injustices that I see over here and that God opened my eyes to it, but I don't know what to do with it. Like maybe I lack the courage to take that nudge from God. Maybe you don't know where to start. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Just take this moment and bring that before God too. There's a reason why those things burn in your heart. There's a reason why God wired you the way you are. And the reason why you see the things you see. God has not placed you where you at for no reason. He's with you. So bring those things before him. maybe you're even on the other side of things and be like, yeah, that's all great, but I don't i don't even know if I feel like I recognize God's activity in the world around me. Like, what's whats that about? Just take this moment and ask God why. Is there something that is stopping me from seeing? And that's okay, wherever we're at. God is... God is always inviting for more He's not He's not in a rush He's just there With you And He longs to show you things Because He created you For that moment, for that reason For that environment, for that Wherever you're at However you're at You're perfect not shaken again he's always inviting you know a, a word that comes to mind is actually uh, Kirk Franklin has this track with the tray it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it because at the end he says that if what you see is all that you see then you do not see all there is to be seen that really been my prayer for us, that God would open our eyes to see all that is that he's doing. And there's no way that once we get to see these things little by little that we don't feel invited to participate because that's just how God works. He's like, yeah, I'm letting you see so you can come on in and participate in the work that I'm doing. in Isaiah, talking about Jesus, that God said, I've placed my spirit on him, and he will decree justice to the nations, but he won't yell, he won't raise his voice, there will be no commotion on the streets, he won't walk over anyone's feelings, he won't push you into a corner, but before you know it, his justice will triumph. And the mere sound of his name will signal hope, even for far-off unbelievers. Let that be where we stand. Let that be the story that we know. Would you open your eyes now? Because I would just love to speak these words over you. The very words from our teaching text. When Jesus walked up, picked up that scroll. Said, these words are fulfilled today, in your hearing. And I want to speak these words over you to know that these words are fulfilled in your everyday lives, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, his very breath, is on you because it has anointed you, Oaks Church, Brooklyn, to proclaim the good news to the poor. With your very lives, with your very words, with every action, he has sent you to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. A world that does not see all there is to be seen, but he has opened your eyes to see his glory and his justice and his infinite compassion. He has sent you to set the oppressed free and to proclaim his favor and his goodness until he returns. And there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. All tears will be wiped away. Oaks Church, Brooklyn, walk in the true nature of who you are. A living, breathing testimony of the faithfulness of a God who is writing a story of perfect justice, peace, and love. Amen. Let's worship.